Hey everyone, welcome back to the Monclova Baptist Church podcast. We're thankful that you joined us today. Hey, if you would do us a favor at the end of this episode, make sure that you follow us on our social, Instagram and Facebook, and subscribe to our YouTube channel and hit that bell button so that you get notified every time that we post new content. If you also want to stay connected with us beyond Sunday morning, make sure that you download the MRBC app on the Google Play Store or the App Store. Now let's dive in. Well, we're glad, again, that you are here this morning and are grateful for the opportunity to uh, speak to you today. Uh, Pastor is away, and uh, my name is Chris Cox, and I'm one of the pastors here at our church. And if there's anything that we can do for you while you're here, please uh, let us know. There's ushers in the back, and uh, we'll be glad to help any way that we can. One of the things that, um, as a pastor, that I get to do is I get to do some marriage counseling. And uh, this past week, I did some premarital counseling. And for those of you who are married, I want you to think back however many years it's been since you uh, got married to the days before you were married. And as I was talking to this couple, I was giving them some assignments to do while we were there. And it's just some of those evaluation things where you uh, talk about your spouse and you look at, at things like who's the introvert, who's the extrovert. Who's the one who is thrifty and who's the one who likes to spend money? Who's the one that uh, is punctual and who's the one who's always late? And for those of you who have been married for any length of time, you know that if you have to do one of those sheets, you put both initials really close together, as close together as you possibly can on the most uh, reasonable side that does not offend your spouse. Like you, we're not interested in honesty at this point, we're just interested in keeping the peace. This young couple was not interested in honesty, or not interested in keeping the peace, they were interested in honesty. And I find it interesting and fun because as you take a young couple who has no idea about life and and marriage and you, you talk to them and they are just so enthralled with the idea that I get to spend the rest of my life with this person. And that's fun for a while. And then you realize that that person that you marry is not the person you dated. Like when we were dating, everything seemed perfect and fine. The morning after you're married, you wake up and you realize dragon breath across from me (laughs) is the loudest sleeper I have ever been around in my entire life. Why did I not know this stuff before we got married? And then you spend a little time in marriage and you realize that just life causes you to change. And wives are really good at this. Just when their husbands think that they have figured them out, they change completely. And it's just a a new process of trying to learn your spouse. And as I was sitting there and I was thinking about them and thinking about this whole idea of marriage and Valentine's Day coming up, my mind went to something that I have in my office. And that's why I brought this this morning. This is a picture that I have in my office And uh, so everybody can see it. This is a picture of a rhinoceros. And uh, Sue Rhino, whenever she comes by my office, she's like, can I have that picture yet? And I said, no, Sue, you can't have that picture. She loves rhinos. And my my office is decorated in a mid-century modern theme. And uh, I was shopping one day, and I saw this picture, and I thought, man, this 
is a great picture. And in my office, I have lots of pictures, but of all the pictures that are in my office, this is the one that gets the most compliments, the most recognition, the most questions, the most, did you do that yourself? <laughs> and I always answer with the same thing is, no, I just find that this picture was interesting, and I have no, you know, people always look down and say, oh, do you know who did it? I have no idea who did it. I just bought it at TJ Maxx. I was just shopping, it was cheap, and I thought I'd pick it up. And I'm glad that I did. Because it gets a lot of questions, it gets a lot of comments, and people are always interested in this picture. And then as if they stay very long, I begin talking to them about the other pictures in my office. Because most of the things in, in your office or in your living space, they mean something to you. And I always draw them to another picture, and I have it here. And I was going to show it to you, but I'm afraid that if I do this, that the lights are going to blind somebody. And so we actually have a picture of it on the screen. This is a picture of Donald Duck. I am a huge Disney fan. I love Disney. I have a lot of Disney stuff in my office. But the reason that I draw people's attention to this picture is not because it's necessarily better than this picture. The reason that I draw their attention to the picture on the screen is because I know the one who created it. You see, there's a young man in our youth group who is very, very talented when it comes to drawing. And several years ago, he got into drawing. And he knew that I liked Disney. And so when he was at home, he drew this picture. And he took a picture of it. And he sent it to me. And he said, Pastor Chris, look what I drew. And I was like, wow, Andrew, that is awesome. He said, do you want it? I said, yes. He said, good, because I drew it for you. The creator of this picture drew it for me. The person who did this picture did not, whatever their name is, did not do it for me. They did it for money. You see, the original, wherever it's hanging, is probably worth a lot of money, enough so that they decided to create duplicates that are basically worthless, just the materials that it's made out of. This picture is invaluable to me. This picture eventually will get thrown away. This picture never will. You see, what we've done with our, in our lives is we have traded the picture on the screen that has immense value. We know that the author created it for me, and we trade it in for bright, shiny pictures that are worthless. And this morning, I want to talk about that because I think that not only as we're looking at Valentine's Day coming up, but as Walter said, that we as husbands are commanded to love our wives. It's something that we should do 365 days a year. And so I thought to make it interesting this morning, I'm going to preach out of the book of Song of Solomon. And I know some of you are going, are we allowed to look at that book in church? I don't even allow my kids to read Song of Solomon. 
But we're going to look at Song of Solomon today. And so if you don't know where it is, it's right after Psalm, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon. And Song of Solomon is one of those books that is, that is almost taboo to read. It's almost like, um, okay, kids, you know, we encourage our children to read their Bible. Just don't read all of it. Like that one book, let's leave that book out. Let's not get to that book yet. Let's wait. But this morning, we're going to open up to that book. And we're going to dive into the book of Song of Solomon. And I know some of you are just getting a little uncomfortable right now. But we're going to look at Song of Solomon because what I believe is that Song of Solomon portrays the picture that the author created for us. And instead of giving our children and giving our families a picture that is valuable and the author created for us, we trade that in and we allow society to give us replications and duplicates that really have no value at all. But yet we find those duplicates in the stores and we see people pay a lot of money and we see all sorts of things happen with these duplicates but the the ones that are unique created for us and valuable we set aside and so this morning I want us to look at it in Song of Solomon but I I want to make sure that those of you who are sitting here this morning and you are single that you don't tune this out Because I think that this is one of the things that society does to us is is it tells us that you aren't fulfilled until you have your significant other, until you have your spouse. Until you find that boy or that girl, until you find that one, you are not significant. You are not complete. You are not whole. But I want to challenge that thought this morning because I truly believe that we have to find ourselves. We have to realize who we are, what we were created for, see that we were given a mission by God before we can ever move into a relationship and be whole inside that relationship. Society tells young ladies today that you aren't anything until you are dating somebody that's something Until people recognize you as something, then then you don't have any value. And what we need to tell our young ladies is that you are uniquely created by God. You have value in who you are and in what you are. And don't ever think that you are less than somebody else just because you don't have somebody that that is on your arm, somebody that you are dating, somebody that you are engaged to, somebody that you are married to. Life has happened to a lot of people. And this morning, if you're sitting here and and life has happened to you and you're sitting here and you're divorced. God has a mission and a plan and a purpose for your life. Don't think because I don't have that person with me that I'm not valuable and and useful. God has a plan and a purpose for us. And until we find God's truth, we will always buy the lie that the world has to offer us. I want you to hold your finger in Song of Solomon if you've gotten there. But I want you to turn to John chapter number 8. Because this verse, and, and this is the value and the importance of teaching our kids and teaching our young people and as married couples, involving the scriptures into our life. And as you're raising your children, founding them on the word of God, because the, the truth of scripture is what we can rest in. If you look at John chapter number 8 and go down to verse number 31. John 8, verse number 31, And then said Jesus uh, to those Jews which believed on him, If ye continue in my word, 
Notice that in my word, then ye are my disciples indeed, and ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. The truth shall make you free. If we are ever going to get our kids to quit buying what the world has to offer because it's shiny and get them to take what the master has created for them because it is unique and is created for them on purpose, we have to give them truth. And when we give them the truth, the truth sets them free from what the world has to offer. I love hearing how couples come together. I love hearing the stories of how this person met this person. As I, as I sat across from this couple this last week, I said, tell me, how did you get to know each other? And they started with, I met him in junior high school. And we dated all the way through high school. And we dated into college, and now we're engaged. So many times you hear stories like that, but oftentimes you hear people say, oh, I met him in college, or I met her after college, and we started dating, and the story begins at the point at which they met. But your story, the God story that you have, begins long before you two even meet. You go back to how God began working in your life and began moving in your life, and you see God's hand and direction moving you, and you see that God created you and moved you and molded you into the person that that person needed you to be. And when you were the person that that person needed you to be, you met that person and you found out that we were made to be together. This morning, there's a couple of things that I want you to see in the song, book of Song of Solomon. And we're going to, usually I don't jump through to different chapters. We usually work through a passage. But this morning, we're going to look at a couple different uh, verses out of the book of Song of Solomon that I hope will help you today. In Song of Solomon, chapter number two, I want you to look at verse number seven. Chapter two, verse number seven. And it says, I charge you, O ye daughters of Jerusalem, by the rose and by the hinds of the field, that ye stir not up nor awake my love until he pleases. I want you to look over at chapter number 3 and verse number 5. I charge you, O ye daughters of Jerusalem, by the rose and by the hinds of the field, that ye stir not up nor awake my love till he pleases. I want you to turn to chapter number 8 and verse number 4. He says, I charge you, O daughters of Jerusalem, that ye stir not up, nor awake my love, until he pleases. Why would that verse be in this chapter, in this book, three different times? Well, the book of Song of Solomon is divided into three different sections. The first section, chapter number 1 and 2, is the dating period of this couple. Chapter number three through chapter number five is the engagement period of this couple. And chapter number six through chapter number eight is the married time of this couple. So as you're looking at this book, it's not just this story. It is, it is a division that we go through. And the first time that this verse is mentioned is in chapter number two, verse number seven. And this is the time when this couple is dating. And I want to challenge parents this morning. I want to challenge grandparents this morning with this thought. 
we are forcing our kids to live up to the expectations of other people. We are forcing our kids to live up to the expectations of other people. Most of you, if I were to ask you to take out your cell phone, your smartphone, and open your TikTok, many of you would look at me and go, I don't know what you're talking about. All of our young people, if I say open your cell phone and look at your TikTok, all of them have it. Now, there may be some parents that are on top of this, and they're like, you know what? Until you are 37, you are not having TikTok. <laughs> but a lot of parents, they're just like, it's, it's just a thing kids do today. We are allowing our kids, I sat with a group of, I sat with a group of dads on, on Friday morning, and we are allowing our kids, we're giving them a tool that is an addictive tool, that they are learning from the world how to have a relationship that is against what the scriptures show us a relationship was, would look like. And what we are giving them is doing exactly opposite of what this verse is telling us to do. We are giving our kids a tool that is awakening love within them before it is time. And I know that this is not a popular message in this culture. And oftentimes we see little boys and little girls that I remember as a, as a third grade boy. I had just moved to a new school. And instantly, my attention was drawn to a young lady, long blonde hair. She would run around the playground and her face would become beet red. I mean, beet red. And I would get on the swing set on my belly. And you know how little kids, they'd run with the swing and they'd go up and down. And I would all recess. She'd be out there running around, her face beet red, and all recess. I'm on my belly on that swing just watching her run around, and I'm just infatuated with her. And we see little boys, and we see little girls that do that, and we think, oh, it's so cute. But do you realize that our culture does not leave our kids in that innocence? Our culture pushes them. If you take a picture of a 12-year-old, the average 12-year-old girl today, and match her up to the 12-year-old girl from Little House on the Prairie, there is a world of difference. And you are like, what in the world? Like, what has gone on in our society? It's because we are allowing our kids to awaken love within them before it is their time. And we have to be careful we as parents have to be the ones that are the most invested in our kids' lives. So many times we step back, and again, I'm, talking, I'm just talking to parents right now. We step back, and it doesn't matter, and I'll just be honest with you, it doesn't matter if your kids are, are the age of my kids. My kids are 23, 22, and 20. And I am still heavily involved in their relationships. I want to know what's going on. I want to know what, who, who is she, who is he. I want to know if there is one. I want to know... What, what, what are they like? Let me meet them. And they're like, no, Dad, you're not meeting them. Come on. I'll, I'll fly to Florida right now. No, Dad. We need parents that are heavily invested in the relationships that their kids are in. We need you to be walking alongside them. We need you to be teaching them. Because all of a sudden, one day, 
And, and you can tell the day when the kid comes home. One day, they're like, oh, Dad, I met a new friend. Oh, yeah? What's her name? Jim. What? No. That, that sounds like a boy's name. Yeah, it's, it's a boy. But we're just friends, Dad. Okay, just friends. And she'll tell stories or he'll tell, and, and, or he'll tell stories about a girl that he met, and, and they'll come home, and all of a sudden, one day, it's different. Me and, me and Jim are going out today, and, and she's dressed up just a little bit nicer than what she had in the past. And you're like, what, what, what's happened? What's, what's going on here? Oh, well, we're just going on a special date. Wait, what? It changes. And parents, you need to be there when those changes happen. You need to be talking to your kids. You need to give your kids information. So many parents think... So many parents think that I don't need to talk to my kids until they're older about certain things. If you're not having conversations with your fifth and sixth graders about certain things, you are too late. Because when they go to school and their kids pull out and their friends pull out their cell phones, they are talking about certain things. In fifth grade, in sixth grade. And parents, you have got to be there to walk alongside your kids, giving them the information, helping them to know exactly what is going on in life and in love. We, as parents, have to give them something to aspire to. Every time I see a newlywed couple, you go to the airport and you'll see people that have just gotten married and they're flying off on their honeymoon. And it is amazing to me how the people that walk by them go, oh, got the old ball and chain, did you? Good luck with that. I walk by those people and I say, man, you have just gotten into the most exciting thing that you could ever do. Marriage is awesome. I hope your marriage is as good as mine. We're going on 20, this month was, it will be 26 years since I asked her to marry me. And it's more exciting now than it was 26 years ago. It's more fun now than it was 26 years ago. And we have to give our, our kids something to aspire to. We have to show our kids. We have to demonstrate to our kids what love is. We have to gross out our kids. You need to be standing, waiting for your kids to come through the front door, knowing they're gonna walk around the corner and you are just getting ready to lay one on her. <laughs> and you want your kids to walk around the corner and go, oh, what are you doing? Well, I didn't know you were home. You're we have to give our kids something to aspire to because I promise you, that your kids, when they walk away, they might go, that was really gross. It's kind of cool, though, that my mom and dad still like each other. Because I go to school and I hear all of my friends talk about how their parents don't like each other. They fight all the time. At least my parents still like each other. We have to be there and encourage our kids and help our kids not to awaken love before it's time. The next thing I want you to see is in verse number, uh, chapter number three, verse number, um, I'm sorry, chapter two, verse number 15. 
chapter 2, verse 15, it says, Take us the foxes, the little foxes that spoil the vines, for our vines have tender grapes. We have to catch the little foxes in our relationship. And you say, what does a little fox look like? I'm glad you asked. Turn to Genesis chapter number 39. Genesis chapter number 39. This is the story of Joseph. Genesis 39 and verse number 5. It says, And it came to pass from the time that he had made him overseer in his house, and over all that he had, that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. And the blessing of the Lord was upon all that he had in the house and in the field. And he left all that he had in Joseph's hand. And he knew not aught that he had save the bread which he did eat. And Joseph was a goodly person and well favored. And it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast her eyes upon Joseph. And she said, Lie with me. But he refused. And he said unto his master's wife, Behold, my master wotteth not what is, what is with me in the house. And he hath committed all that he hath into my hand. There is none greater than in this house than I. Neither hath he kept back anything from me but thee, because thou art his wife. How can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? You see, there was a little fox that was rising up in that house that Joseph was in. Those little foxes, they, they may be cute. I think we have a picture of a fox here that they may be cute. And you're like, oh, isn't it so cute? But what happens is that you go to work and you've just had an argument with your wife or your husband and you go to work and that lady or that gentleman at work compliments you and all of a sudden inside of you something happens and that is the beginning of a little fox. You get upset and you go someplace and somebody pays attention to you and you're like, oh, but it's just innocent. And Joseph realized that that little fox that was growing up in his life, that little fox that, that, that kept coming after him, he had to say, not only am I not going to do that against you and your husband, you are his wife. But he said, I can't sin against God. He said, when we get married, we make a commitment and a covenant with our spouse and with God. That we are going to do a certain thing. We are going to be honorable and respectable in our relationship with our spouse. And we allow little foxes in. I just heard this week, 50% of marriages today end in divorce. Of those 50%, 40 of them attribute their divorce to social media. Little foxes are not always people at the office. Sometimes little foxes are the social media that we get on. Sometimes the little foxes are the things that we allow into our home that begin to nibble away and destroy our home. And I just want to challenge you today. Valentine's Day is tomorrow. Tomorrow's the day of love. Every day should be a day of love in your home. Every day should be a day that we are looking out, looking out for and rooting out the little foxes that are here to destroy our lives, destroy our marriage, destroy the picture that we are supposed to give, not only to our children, but to the world around us of what a marriage looks like. In chapter number four, we're going to look at two verses for this point. Chapter number four and verse number nine 
It says, thou hast ravished my heart, my sister, my spouse. Thou hast ravished my heart with one of thine eyes, with one chain of thy neck. Look at chapter number 7 and verse number 10. Chapter 7, verse number 10. I am my beloved's, and his desire is toward me. His attention and his desire was towards his spouse. Is your attention and your desire towards your spouse? This morning, if you're sitting with your spouse, I'm going to ask you to do something. It may be uncomfortable. I want you to sit a little closer. Come on. If you're with your spouse, sit a little closer. You say, we can't get any closer. Do not sit on anybody's lap. Just sit closer. Sit a little closer. Doesn't that feel good? His desire was intentionally towards his spouse. There are so many things going on in this world that we have to intentionally focus on the one who God gave us. We have to, on purpose, give attention to the one who God gave us. My grandfather, when he was 94 years old, had open heart surgery. They were waiting to do the open heart surgery because they thought, well, at, they knew at 91 he needed to do it. But they were like, open heart surgery at 91, like, why? Well, he lived to be 104, so I'm glad they did open heart surgery at, 90, at 94. So Grandpa had open heart surgery at 94, and I went to pick him up from the hospital. And Grandma still lived at, at, my Grandma and Grandpa lived with my mother and father. And so I took Grandpa back to the house where my Grandma had been. And Grandpa had been in the hospital for a number of days, just recovering from open heart surgery. My grandmother at 89 was not exactly the best at hearing things. Grandpa, coming to the house, began to sneak. So at 94, my grandfather is sneaking into the house. And I'm thinking, what is he doing? And he began to walk on his tiptoes. And I'm like, maybe they gave him the wrong medication at the hospital. I don't know. I'm not sure what's happening here. But he began to sneak up the walkway to the house. And then we opened the door, because he couldn't open anything. We opened the door, and he put his head around the doorway into the house. And like, Grandma has her own room. She's not, she doesn't have, you know, she's not roaming around the house. Grandma has a room that she stays in. And he, he looks into the house, and then he sneaks into the house. And he gets to their bedroom door, and he puts both hands on the outside of the door, and he just begins to peek around the door. And I realized what he was doing. At 94, he was still pursuing his wife. And I thought, if I get to be 94... I hope that I am as, as silly as that. I hope that I'm still so infatuated with my wife 
that at 94, my purpose and my intention and my desire is towards her and I seek to pursue her all of our married life. And as a 30-something-year-old young man, that impacted me. That impacted me to know that you can still love a woman at 94 years of age after 50 years of marriage. You can still love a woman with all your heart, and you can still pursue her. The next thing I want you to see is in chapter number 8. And we've already read this verse. But in chapter number 8 and verse number 4, it says, I charge you, O daughters of Jerusalem, that ye stir not up nor awake my love until he please. Desire awakened in the right setting is a beautiful thing. Desire awakened in the right setting is a beautiful thing. Do you know what we need today? We need a love revolution. We need the couples that claim Jesus Christ as their Savior to awaken your love. I've been married for 73 years. Okay. Wake it up. Let's go. Let's get excited. Well, you don't know. I don't know. But God does. He has allowed your story to be written, and he has created a marriage. And he wants you to waken up your love. I sat across from that young couple. And as they filled out their paperwork, they did it separately. And then I said, all right, let's look at the differences that you guys wrote. And he began where there were significant differences, he began to defend himself. Like one of them was who is more outgoing and who is more reserved. And he put her as really reserved and him as very outgoing, like significantly different than what she saw them. And she's like, what do you mean by that? And he began like, well, I, you know, I was just thinking that maybe in, in this light and, you know, and, you could tell like, there was going to be some conversations going on after they left our appointment. The long ride home. But I saw in them a twinkle in their eye, a love in their heart that so many married couples lose. And I just want to challenge you this morning. To, now is the time to awaken your love. Now is the time, not just because Valentine's Day is tomorrow, but because our, our world needs to see the real picture of what love looks like. They need to see a husband and a wife, a husband that goes around and opens the door for his wife. The car pulls up. It's not, I'm slowing down to five miles an hour. Jump, baby, jump. <laughs> no. It's the... Oh, it's Jim. We're going to be sitting here for a minute because he always gets out and he walks around and he opens the door for his wife. Today's going to be like the longest line out front ever. <laughs> Just a line of women, men pulling up, getting their wives. They're like, see, I'm taking it. 
We need our sons to see dads treat their moms right. How are our boys ever going to learn how to treat a young lady? We have Christian young ladies sitting in churches like this, waiting for a young man just to come up and talk to them. And our young men, our Christian young men are so timid, so afraid they don't know how to talk to young ladies, that our young ladies are getting the attention of young men that are unsaved, and they're drawing them away, and the young ladies are going because they're hoping that, well, maybe he'll get saved, and we can date, and we can marry, and we can have a relationship. Dads, treat your, show your sons how to pursue a woman. Talk with him. Tell him. Show him. It is okay to walk up to a young lady and say, hey, do you want to go get coffee? And it's not a lifelong commitment. That's not an engagement. That doesn't even have to be a date. You can get groups of kids together. Well, that's so old-fashioned. And what's wrong with that? Go out and learn how to pursue a young lady. Because our young ladies don't need to be dating unsaved young men. They need godly young men who will pursue their heart and love them. Men have needs. Women have needs. Women need security. Men, you should be providing security. That doesn't mean a home safety system. That means that they need somebody that they feel safe with. Women need somebody who they can talk to, not solve their problems. So that means, husbands, when you get home and your wife is, says she wants to talk, that doesn't mean you get out your tool chest and you start fixing things. She just wants to talk. You need to learn how to say, honey, what do you want me to do with this information? Nothing, just listen. Okay. Put the tool belt away. You don't need to fix things. You, she just needs to talk to you. She needs to know that she can talk to you and not worry about you trying to fix it. She doesn't want it fixed. We don't understand that. Guys want everything fixed. Women just want to talk about it. And that's okay. Let them talk. Husbands, we have got to show our families how to love a woman. Ladies, we have got to show our families how to love a man. Where else are they going to learn it? TikTok? I hope not. I hope we rise up as a church, as followers of Christ, and pursue our spouse because it's awakened. You just finished listening to a message from the preaching ministry at Monclova Road Baptist Church. If it was a help to you, make sure that you let somebody know about it. If you need help beyond this message, make sure that you follow us on Instagram or Facebook or check out our website, monclovabaptist.org. And we would love to connect with you there and help you with anything that you might need. Have a great week and we'll see you next time on the Monclova Baptist Church Podcast.